Welcome to the Ponder a New Podcast. I'm Pastor Rob Mayalis, and this is going to be our concluding episode for our second look at the book of Acts, kind of this middle section here. And this whole season, we've been thinking about um, how the Holy Spirit pushes us out of our comfort zones and, um, yeah, the challenges of, of following Jesus, what really trust looks like and being bold in the Lord. And so I had actually intended to end on, on Pentecost Sunday looking at Paul's time in the Athenian Agora where he uh, talks about Jesus and the truth of the gospel uh, in front of all these other cultures. And I thought that might have really worked for Pentecost and sort of the, the way in which the, we're called to reach out to people. But after recording it, it was really a sort of an intellectual podcast, which isn't per se a problem, but it stayed in the head. And I realized that, that this week, there was a lot of tragedy in, in our world and in our nation this week. And, and I, I just didn't feel it was right to do a, a podcast that just remained in the head. My podcast doesn't address uh, this week all of the events, or really, really any of the particular events that our world has gone through this last week. But it, it doesn't and hopefully invite you in light of how the Holy Spirit moved through these early apostles and the cost of being a disciple and the challenges and, and the heartache um, that, that hopefully it, it, this podcast can, can find a way, whether you're listening to this personally or within a group, to, to connect with your heart and really where, where God is in, in your life and where God is, is calling you into trust and to live yeah, the life of trust uh, like the disciples have done for the last 2,000 years in easy weeks and in hard weeks. So we ponder in there. About that time, King Herod laid violent hands upon some who belonged to the church. He had James, the brother of John, killed with the sword. After he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the festival of unleavened bread. When he had seized him, he put him in prison and handed him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. While Peter was kept in prison, the church prayed fervently to God for him. What are you willing to die for? Again, what are you willing to die for? For the early disciples of Jesus, they found in Jesus and this, the gospel that this was worth dying for. To be an early Christian was to endanger oneself, to make it possible for one to simply die for one's faith. And this is what happened to Stephen, the first martyr. And in the previous season of Acts, we had a really, I interviewed um, a man named Nick Todd who's done a lot with missions, and it was fascinating to hear about the persecution and martyrdom of the church around the world still. So you can go back and listen to that. But uh, whether it was Stephen or now in chapter 11 here, James, uh, there were plenty of early Christians, and this would continue for some time, uh, who were killed simply for being Christian. 
Uh, and, you know, it's Herod rearing his ugly head again, the same Herod that killed John the Baptist, the same Herod that uh, helped orchestrate the crucifixion of Jesus, is now here persecuting the church. Really, it just seems for nothing other than sort of winning populist points with the, the hometown. I mean, just really a scrupulous leader. So to be a Christian was to um, potentially die, and so all those who were followers had to recognize that something fundamental was at stake. Wow. There's perhaps something just telling there about our modern world in the way that I'm guilty of this too. We so want to sort of attract people into churches, to welcome them into relationship with Jesus and the church that we uh, perhaps don't do enough clarifying work that to truly be a follower of Jesus means that it, we're going to have to give something up. We're going to have to uh, face risks for doing so. Again, in a highly Christianized culture, sometimes the, the reality that to be a follower of Jesus uh, makes a claim about our lives and, and calls us to be willing to give it all up. I think sometimes that's, that's not as directly communicated, and I'm as guilty of that as anybody else. But what, I, what I'd like to uh, think about, though, um, you know, well, I'll put it in two ways. You know, first of all, you know, whenever I go to the dentist, it's just this reminder of my own mortality. Uh, because my teeth and gums aren't going to get any better, right? There's a one, there's a one direction train that, that the quality of my teeth is on, and uh, the best I can do is slow it down. Um, but also this realization that like every day I'm, I'm sort of giving to this world. Um, it, there's a sort of a cost to life. It, it, you know, it takes something out of you. Uh, you know, I was just talking to a person recently who's just so sort of um, just clearly... The, you know, the combination of, of a job that isn't uh, working for them and um, just the demands of sort of, uh, sort of parenting and, and marriage, just, you know, you can tell this person is just giving a lot each day and kind of being spent. So when we realize this, that life is both finite and also costly, that it demands something of us, well, what are, what are the responses? What can one do? Well, one way to sort of try to solve this is to maximize sort of our pleasure then, to be like, well, if I've only got so much to live, again, I may as well maximize what I can bring in. Sort of, again, a cons sort of a constrained <laughs> maximization problem on utility here. Sort of, again, seek pleasure, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we might die. And in this case, we're willing to die for ourselves and our own utility, our own pleasure. I'd like to suggest that we're always going to have to give our lives for something. There's always going to be something that's going to take sort of our heart and our soul and our strength from us. And what is it for you? I had a friend once who dearly loved his wife, and at the end of his life, his wife was really beginning to lose her facilities, especially mentally. And so um, my friend began to care for her more and more, just pouring his heart and his time into his wife. But uh, this meant that he neglected himself. He would, you know, not schedule appointments because he was taking her to so many doctors. Um, just, again, would run himself ragged trying to do what he was used to doing, uh, frankly, as a younger person, as well as all the things that she used to do. 
It turns out that finally by the time he went to the doctor after postponing visits, they discovered something that would ultimately lead to his death. And had I asked him at the end, you know, would, would you do it differently? You know, do you feel like you gave too much to your wife? He would have told me a thousand times over he would have died for her. And I fully believe were she more mentally with it to have realized what was happening, she would have um, been also willing to have, to have died for him. Again, in life, I think we, we are going to go out and uh, we're going to all have our resources consumed. It's really a matter then of choosing. I think this is really sort of the daring to live part of life, this boldness that we've been talking about in this section of Acts here. I think the, the real kind of courage to be, the courage to live, is to actually choose something that is worth dying for, frankly, that is worth living for. Uh, likely people, and, and ideally then something that's greater than oneself. And for the early apostles what they and the disciples in the church, they found that Jesus was worth giving everything for. They found that um, his, his words, his teachings, his way of life, um, his peace, his presence, that these were so compelling to them that it was, again, worth giving up everything else for. This was worth having their life consumed by this. As was then the passing on of this news that others, you and me, now 2,000 years later, could know and live and, and dwell in this, in this presence and in his person. So I think it's worth it for us to ask ourselves, what are we willing to die for? What truly are we living for? Because if we're not careful, we'll end up exhausting ourselves, giving ourselves away, but it won't have been for anything noble. Um, But Christ offers us, as he offered the early apostles, the invitation to give up everything for him, and in so doing, discover, indeed, he is the one who has already given himself for us, and the one who has loved us and promised us life abundant and life everlasting. We're going to continue uh, moving ahead in the same chapter of Acts. We're going to skip a few verses, uh, but in those verses, Peter is in prison, is miraculously Um, set free. So we'll pick up on the other side. As soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many had gathered and were praying. When he knocked at the outer gate, a maid named Rhoda came to answer. On recognizing Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the gate, she ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, You are out of your mind. But she insisted that it was so. They said, It is his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the gate, they saw him and were amazed. He motioned to them with his hand to be silent and described for them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he added, Tell this to James and to the believers. Then they left and went to another place. 
When morning came, there was no small commotion among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. The person at the door does not believe Peter. And there is uh, that he is, that it is actually him. There's something a little bit ironic about this because if you remember when uh, Jesus was risen from the dead, Peter and the other disciples uh, didn't believe that Jesus was resurrected, right? The, the tale of the woman seemed like an idle tale to them. And, and now they're struggling to uh, believe um, like that Peter's actually there. I want to get at something uh, also, maybe this, I think I'm just uh, grieving and pretty heavy in my thoughts this week. So maybe this is uh, all, this is a pretty heavy uh, podcast here. But I want to get into the fact that James, uh, this faithful member of the early community, is killed by Herod. Peter is in prison, and it turns out that the prayers of the faithful, that, that they're praying, and somehow this miracle happens where, where Peter is really inexplicably beyond his power, beyond any sort of chance of coincidence that, um, that he's freed. And, and I want to uh, point out then that in the early church, in Scripture, there's already an acknowledgement that prayer is a mystery, and sometimes our prayers seem to affect the outcome, and sometimes, even though we're in prayer, it, bad stuff still happens. And in so much is this sort of sort of tension, sort of the you know, we pray fervently, and do we really expect something to change? We really want it to. That, that when it does, the church is kind of like, what? Like kind of caught off guard, like our prayers actually were answered? Now, in other podcasts, I've talked about how prayer is an act of listening and sort of contemplative prayer. But my sense is, is that the people who are praying when Peter is in prison, they're praying for his safety, for a miracle to happen, for his release. And for some mysterious reason, um, right? I mean, it actually says in verse 5, they're praying to God for him, right? I mean, these, this isn't like a contemplative listening prayer. This is a real earnest entreaty to God. And I'm curious... Um, in, in your life, have you had times when your prayers have been wildly answered in ways you couldn't even expect? Like or when the prayer wasn't answered, you were almost like, oh, I didn't even think that was like going to work. Yeah. I think we've also had times, though, have there been times when you've prayed and the outcome has not been what you wished for? Yeah, I think we've all been there as as well. I mean, there are sort of the tragedies uh, like James where, I, again, I imagine after he was arrested, people were praying for him. And again, didn't seem to affect the outcome. They prayed for Peter and it did. And uh, it's one of those questions. We, you know, we, we 
Luke doesn't even try to explain why. He doesn't say that Peter was better than James or Peter had a more important role or anything. It's just this is the kind of the way that it is. So, yeah, in life, there are times when our prayers seem to be unanswered and times when they're so shockingly answered that we can hardly believe what we're experiencing. I uh, have at seasons in my life kept a prayer journal. I write down every day what I'm praying for. Um, and, and I find sometimes, too, as a pastor, I want to, you know, pray for a lot of people. And I just, and sometimes it just feels good at the end of the night just to be able to sort of write down their names and, and bring them before the Lord. This isn't the only way I pray, but this will be, be a way that I pray. And um, what I, what I find is, is a strikingly high number of my prayers are, are answered for uh, in a way that I, um, at one point I actually I stopped using it because I, I actually begun, I had sort of begun to believe this book was almost like magic. Like if I wrote it down, like it was going to happen. And I felt that that was becoming a little bit idolatrous. Um, but yeah, so I would just be curious for, um, to hear you reflect on, yeah, prayers, times of prayer that you've had when prayers have seemed to have gone unanswered and times in your life where you have sensed that, no, indeed, your, your prayers, um, yeah, were answered. My sense is that prayer is connected with a life of boldness. I've been speaking to a number of confirmation students uh, this year in the Lutheran Church typically in 8th or ninth grade. It's an opportunity for uh, children that were baptized as a child to uh, come before the congregation, and, uh, and they're acknowledging that, yes, this is the faith that uh, they want as they move ahead. They desire to, to live as a disciple of Jesus. And I was talking to them, and it's interesting how many of the confirmation students use prayer as a, as a tool for dealing with their anxieties, to pray for God to be, to be with them. And I think this is really, it was really beautiful to hear this. Um, and, and that might also be something I'd be curious again, how, how you might be praying in, in times of uh, anxiety. Because I think that prayer is a really essential part of the boldness uh, that we're called to, that really to sort of live that life of faith. In part, simply at times to kind of calm down our anxieties, uh, whether this, again, is a form of contemplative or just a sort of a plea prayer, Lord, help me, or, just, or even maybe more deeply an invitation for, for Jesus to be with us uh, in this time. But I think prayer is, is also something, again, that if we're, if we're going to really um, live the life to which God called us, the life beyond our immediate sort of obvious capacity, but the life that that Christ has called us to, there's going to be some some risk. There's going to be some heartache, some challenge. And for that, then, we will need prayer. It turns out that if we're going to live for something beyond ourselves, love somebody beyond ourselves, uh, be willing, again, to give up everything we have for somebody else, then that's the kind of life that is going to need to be rich in prayer. Um, and, and prayers that sometimes um, don't get answered in the way we want, sometimes prayers that simply are for patience and the presence of God, and other times are prayers for courage to do that which we think God has called us to.
So I was going to move on and really reflect on Acts chapter uh, even 17 in Athens, but I, I just wanted to return actually to sort of uh, on this Pentecost Sunday and to sort of put it all together and say this section in, in the church has been about, or in book of Acts, has been about being bold and, and really living into that faith. And, it, it, um, and the early church is, is always at prayer as God is both for them individually and collectively pushing them out into this uh, world to, um, to participate in and get a sense of just how big and, and broad and wide God's love is. And so that I, I hope that this season of the book of Acts has, has challenged you and encouraged you to be more bold in your faith and uh, this day then to reground yourself and really what fundamental commitments are you making and, and how then is prayer strengthening you uh, to be a disciple?